Hello, and welcome to the turbulent world of Middle East soccer, or Mid-East soccer podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. The times, they are a-changing. Iranian leaders may not be Bob Dylan fans, but his words are likely to resonate as they contemplate their next steps in Iraq, Iraqi Kurdistan, Lebanon, and Azerbaijan. The same is true for Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. The president's shine as a fierce defender of Muslim causes, except for when there is an economic price attached, as in the case of China's brutal crackdown on Turkic Muslims, has been dented by allegations of lax defenses against money laundering and economic mismanagement. The setbacks come in a time that Mr. Erdogan's popularity is diving in opinion polls. Turkey this weekend expelled the ambassadors of the United States, Canada, France, Finland, Denmark, Germany, Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway, and Sweden for calling for the release of philanthropist and civil rights activist Osman Kavala in line with the European Court of Human Rights decision. Neither Turkey nor Iran can afford the setbacks that often are the result of hubris. Both have bigger geopolitical, diplomatic, and economic fish to fry, and are competing with Saudi Arabia and the UAE, as well as Indonesia's Nahdlatul Ulama for religious soft power, if not leadership of the Muslim world. That competition takes on added significance. In a world in which Middle Eastern rivals seek to manage rather than resolve their differences by focusing on economics and trade and soft rather than hard power and proxy battles. In one recent incident, Hidayat Nur Wahid, Deputy Speaker of the Indonesian Parliament, opposed naming a street in Jakarta after Mustafa Kemal Atatürk, the general-turned-statesman who carved modern Turkey out of the ruins of the Ottoman Empire. Mr. Wahid suggested that it would be more appropriate to commemorate Ottoman Sultans Mehmet the Conqueror or Suleiman the Magnificent or 14th century Islamic scholar, Sufi mystic and poet Jalaluddin Rumi. Mr. Wahid is a leader of the Muslim Brotherhood-linked Prosperous Justice Party, PKS, and a board member of the Saudi-run Muslim World League one of the kingdom's main promoters of religious soft power. More importantly, Turkey's integrity as a country that forcefully combats funding of political violence and money laundering has been called into question by the Financial Task Force, or FATF, an international watchdog, and a potential court case in the United States that could further tarnish Mr. Erdogan's image. A U.S. appeals court ruled on Friday that state-owned Turkish lender Halkbank can be prosecuted over accusations it helped Iran evade American sanctions. Prosecutors have accused Halkbank of converting oil revenue into gold and then cash to benefit Iranian interests and documenting fake food shipments to justify transfers of oil proceeds. They also said Halkbank helped Iran secretly transfer $20 billion of restricted funds, with at least $1 billion laundered through the U.S. financial system. Halkbank has pleaded not guilty, 
and argued that it is immune from prosecution under the Federal Foreign Sovereign, Foreign Sovereign Immunities Act because it was synonymous with Turkey, which has immunity under the law. The case has complicated U.S.-Turkish relations, with Mr. Erdogan backing Hulkbank's innocence in a 2018 memo to then-U.S. President Donald Trump. Fatah placed Turkey on its gray list last week. It joins countries like Pakistan, Syria, South Sudan, and Yemen that have failed to comply with the group's standards. The International Monetary Fund warned earlier this year that gray listing would affect a country's ability to borrow on international markets and cost it an equivalent of up to 3% of gross domestic product, as well as a drop in foreign direct investment. Mr. Erdogan's management of the economy has been troubled by the recent firing of three central bank policymakers, a bigger-than-expected interest rate cut that sent the Turkish lira tumbling, soaring prices, and an annual inflation rate that last month ran shy of 20%. Mr. Erdogan has regularly blamed high interest rates for inflation. A public opinion survey concluded in May that 56.9% of respondents would not vote for Mr. Erdogan and that the president would lose in a runoff against two of his rivals, Ankara Mayor Mansur Yabash and his Istanbul counterpart Ekrem Imamoglu. In further bad news for the president, polling company Metropol said its September survey showed that 69% of respondents saw secularism as a necessity, while 85.1% objected to religion being used in election campaigning. In Iran's case, a combination of factors is changing the dynamics of Iran's relations with some of its allied Arab militias, calling into question the domestic positioning of some of those militias, fueling concern in Tehran that its detractors are encircling it and putting a dent in the way Iran would like to project itself. A just-published report by the Combating Terrorism Center at the U.S. Military Academy, West Point, concluded that Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guards Corps, IGRC, faced growing difficulties in controlling local militant cells. Hardline anti-U.S. militias struggle with the contending needs to de-escalate U.S.-Iranian tensions, meet the demands of their base for anti-U.S. operations, and simultaneously involve non-kinetic political and social wings. Iranian de-escalation of tensions with the United States is a function of efforts to revive the defunct 2015 international agreement to curb Iran's nuclear program, and talks aimed at improving relations with Saudi Arabia even if they have yet to produce concrete results. In addition, like in Lebanon, Iranian soft power in Iraq has been challenged by growing Iraqi public opposition to sectarianism and Iranian-backed Shiite militias that are at best only nominally controlled by the state. Even worse, including militias including Hezbollah, the Arab world's foremost Iranian-supported armed group have been identified with corrupt elites in Lebanon and Iraq. Many in Lebanon oppose Hezbollah 
as part of an elite that has allowed the Lebanese state to collapse to protect its vested interests. Hezbollah did little to counter those perceptions when the group's leader, Hassan Nasrallah, threatened Lebanese Christians after fighting erupted this month between the militia and the Lebanese forces, a Maronite party along the Green Line that separated Christian East and Muslim West Beirut during the 1975 to 1990 civil war. The two groups battled each other for hours as Hezbollah staged a demonstration to pressure the government to stymie an investigation into last year's devastating explosion in the port of Beirut. Hezbollah fears that the inquiry could lay bare pursuit of the group's interests at the expense of public safety. The biggest threat for the Christian presence in Lebanon is the Lebanese forces party and its head, Mr. Nasrallah warned, fueling fears of a return to sectarian violence. It's a warning that puts a blot on Iran's assertion that its Islam respects minority rights, witnesses seats in the country's parliament for religious minorities. These include Jews, Armenians, Assyrians, and Zoroastrians. Similarly, an alliance of Iranian-backed Shiite militias emerged as the biggest loser in this month's Iraqi elections. The Fatah Conquest, or Conquest Alliance, previously the second largest bloc in parliament, saw its numbers of seats drop from 48 to 17. Prime Minister Mustafa al-Khazmi brought forward the vote from 2022 to appease a youth-led protest movement that erupted two years ago against corruption, unemployment, crumbling public services, sectarianism, and Iranian influence in politics. One bright light from Iran's perspective is the fact that an attempt in September by activists in the United States to engineer support for Iraqi recognition of Israel backfired. Iran last month targeted facilities in northern Iraq operated by Iranian opposition Kurdish groups. Tehran believes that they are part of a tightening U.S.-Israeli noose around the Islamic Republic that involves proxies and covert operations on its Iraqi and Azerbaijani borders. Efforts to reduce tension with Azerbaijan have failed. An end to a war of words and dueling military maneuvers on both sides of the border proved short-lived. Azerbaijani President Ilham Aliyev, emboldened by Israeli and Turkish support in last year's war against Armenia, appeared unwilling to dial down the rhetoric. With the revival of the nuclear program in doubt, Iran fears that Azerbaijan could become a staging pad for U.S. and Israeli covert operations. Those doubts were reinforced by calls for U.S. backing of Azerbaijan by scholars in conservative Washington think tanks, including the Hudson Institute and the Heritage Foundation. Eldar Mamadov, a political advisor for the Social Democrats in the Foreign Affairs Committee of the European Parliament, warned that the U.S. government should resist calls from hawks to get embroiled in a conflict where it has no vital interest at stake, and much less on behalf of a regime that is so antithetical to U.S. values and interests. He noted that Mr. Aliyev has forced U.S. NGOs to leave Azerbaijan, has trampled on human and political rights, 
and been anything but tolerant of the country's Armenian heritage. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, at mideastsoccer.blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best and take care.